Hey friends, and welcome back to Hell Simple Radio. This is episode number 57. I'm Kyle Redud, host of the podcast, and I'm joined today with Taryn Rain, who's a wellness and mindset coach, and we're going to be talking all about stress and anxiety. Now, this is something that pretty much all of us deal with. It's a reality here in 2019, and whether it decides to just pass through quickly or it's something that you know happens chronically and long-term, in this episode, we are going to teach and just discuss how you can learn to understand what stress and anxiety is, what's actually happening inside your brain and inside of your body, and kind of step out from that and, and see it at a different level. And, and when you can do that, you can then apply different tools and techniques, which we'll talk about in this episode, to either combat the stress and anxiety uh, immediately or use it to lessen the the impact that it's having on your life long term. So this is a very uh, important conversation, I think. It was very helpful to me, uh, so I'm excited to share it with you. And before I do, I, I just want to talk about uh, a company that I am involved with called Dry Farm Wines. Uh, they make the only, pretty much the only, all-natural, organic, uh, naturally fermented and just clean wines. If you are someone who likes to have wine at night, and maybe if you're anxious or stressed, then wine is what helps you calm down. That's completely fine. But just know that a lot of the wines you're buying at the the major stores are full of preservatives, full of sugar, full of all these additives that are not doing good things for your brain or your body. Dry Farm Wines, on the other hand, is the cleanest source of wine that you can possibly find. I highly recommend this wine and they'll actually deliver it right to your door if you live in the US. Now, if you just click on the link in the show notes below, then you'll actually get a bottle for 99 cents uh, on your first order. And they have a bunch of different types, a bunch of different kinds. Uh, but I highly recommend if you are drinking wine or drinking alcohol in any way uh, to use this wine, especially if you're keto or you're trying to lose weight or maybe you're paleo, whatever it is that you're doing. If you want to improve your health, uh, and just how you feel, and you want to get rid of maybe headaches uh, and hangovers from drinking, this is the best uh, type of alcohol and the best type of wine that you can possibly get. So check them out, Dry Farm Wines. Uh, I think the, the link is dryfarmwines.com slash hellsimple, but again, just click the link in below uh, and you'll find it there. Otherwise, uh, for other great techniques for stress and anxiety, just listen to this episode. I promise you, you are going to love it. Enjoy. everyone and welcome back to Health Simple Radio. Today I am joined with Taryn Rain, who is a wellness and mindset coach who founded an online wellness platform called The Remote Yogi. Uh, it's pretty cool how I met Taryn actually. A few weeks ago I went to a, a Sunday morning handstand uh, training session, <laughs> which I guess is a thing in Bali, I don't know. Um, and Taryn was there doing the same thing. We we're trying to figure out how to learn how to do a handstand. Um, so that's where I first met her. But then last week, she presented at a co-working space called Dojo here in Bali. Uh, and the title of the presentation was Fuck Stress and Anxiety. And I thought, that's badass. I want to go check that out. And it turns out Taryn is also really badass. And her presentation was awesome. So we're going to do it basically here on the podcast. So Taryn, welcome to Health Simple Radio, first of all. 
Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here and to share on one of my favorite topics to talk about, which most people, you know, try to avoid. So I'm glad to be on here and <laughs> chatting about it. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, I think it's something that is so common in today's world and I'm talking about stress and anxiety. I don't know anyone that that doesn't suffer from it or hasn't at some point in their lives. Um, and you gave some very practical and, and easy tips to sort of learn to manage it in your in in just in life. And so, you know, I thought that was perfect for for my audience here on Health Simple Radio. Um, Taryn, why don't you start by just giving us a bit of your background and your story of what got you into this area, why you're talking about stress and anxiety, uh, and maybe a little bit about you know what you've dealt with in your life. Sure. Yeah. So, kind of taking it back. To the beginning, kind of similar story to what I presented on, I started dealing with stress and anxiety around 11 years old, so super young. Um, actually, I can recall my very first moment of stress when I was three. I have a very vivid memory, so I'm just very prone to those kind of emotions. When you were three um, years old? Yeah. I was <laughs> three, maybe four, and I, um, I was on stage. I used to act growing up, okay. and I messed up, and I remember being stressed out about it because I messed wow. up acting. Anyway, yeah. So I like have always been kind of prone to these emotions a little bit more than the average Joe, and it's in my genetics, and we can get into that on a whole other topic. But um, yeah, I uh, hit anxiety, depression. At the time, only diagnosed as depression um, when I was about 11. And of course, this is a while ago, they didn't really have any idea how to handle it. You know, at that time, it was just drugs and counseling. And um, so that's what they did. They put an 11-year-old on a bunch of prescription drugs and sent me to counseling and, you know, told me everything was going to be fine. But for me, the prescription drugs actually made me really sick and gave me, like, other mental issues. So I was starting to have, like, dual personality issues. I was starting to deal with, like, deeper demons, anger, like, things that I hadn't dealt with before. Um, so yeah, it took me down this rocky road with the medications and I got to the point where I was like, can't do this anymore. I'm going to get myself off medication and began self-medicating with drugs and alcohol. I began smoking at 12, um, drinking shortly thereafter. And that kind of was my coping mechanism all throughout, um, high school hmm. and into, into college. Funny thing is throughout all of this, I like professed myself as this like fitness health guru. And I was like, you know, went vegan at 12. I was reading all the fitness books. I was doing all the exercises, but just completely unable to cope with the stress. And so I was doing this like other destructive behavior. So I got into college. I like stumbled into a yoga class on accident. I like had gone in for a fitness class at like a YMCA and it was yoga and I was too embarrassed to leave, but I did not want to be there at all. I was just like, fine, I'll stick this out, I guess. Um, and I just made fun of it the whole time I was there. Like, you know, it, it, I thought it was so dumb. And I'm like laying there in Savasana also like thinking I was laying there wasting time. Like, what am I doing lying on the floor? Have you been to yoga before? Absolutely. Love yoga. Okay. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> Savasana is the best part. And at that time yeah. I was like, this is so dumb. Like, what am I doing here? And I paused for a second and was like, hang on a sec. I've only thought about yoga for the last hour. I may have been making fun of it for the last hour, but my mind was focused on one thing and I've never experienced that in my entire life. And I was like mind blown that there was a healthy alternative to my lifestyle. Now I didn't immediately jump on the yoga bandwagon. It took me a few years to circle back. You know, I, I started to self-medicate at that point with workaholism and perfectionism instead of drugs and alcohol. 
And so it took me like to the point where I'd get to like a breaking point where I was having a mental breakdown and I'd force myself back into the yoga studio mm-hmm. and then I would trail off again, you know? Um, yeah. And eventually I got married, was living like the perfect little life that was giving me panic attacks on the daily and decided to finally like take this yoga and meditation practice seriously. And I got myself into teacher training and it's been a whirlwind ever since of just like how much I can do to control my own mind Mm -hmm. through whether it's mindfulness practices, understanding the the brain and the science behind it. Um, So that's really what I've dedicated the last few years of my life to is, is um, taking control and helping others to do the same thing. Mm, I love that. And you know what? I find too, it's so common that we start to work on our, on our body through exercise, maybe through eating healthy and, and quite often we forget about our mind and it's so important to be able to learn to, to manage what's going on in your head. Uh, you're not going to control it. You're not going to you know, stop certain thoughts, um, but at least managing what you're, what you're thinking, what you're, you know, the actions that are coming from that. If you can learn to manage these things, it makes such a difference in life in general. Yeah. Um, and so it's really cool that you're kind of really diving into that and learning that and, and you kind of stumbled on it just by accidentally going into a yoga class. So that's, that's awesome. One of the things that um, really stood out to me when you first started your presentation at Dojo's, you said, you know, if you want to learn to manage stress and anxiety, you have to first understand what it is. You have to understand what's going on inside of your brain or inside of your body. Um, can you talk a little bit about that uh, and maybe break down each one for us and just so that we can understand what is going on? Yeah, absolutely. So I usually break down stress and anxiety and I also talk a little bit about worry because that's something that people confuse it with as well. So stress is like a normal thing. We're designed to be stressed. Um, you know, it's when we have the pressure of being able to survive or like, you know, move forward in life, that's a stressor. So oftentimes, you know, it comes back to career, things like that. These are natural things that in our survival mode back in the day, we were meant to get stressed out about. So we knew the steps to take to survive and to do these things. Um, the problem is nowadays it's kind of constant ongoing and it's unnecessary. Like we're no longer living in a state where like, we're about to be attacked every minute, but our brains are reacting like we are um, because we're stressed out about a hundred things. And more importantly, we're stressed out about the stress. So, you know, like rather than just being like, okay, I'm stressed out because it makes sense. I've I've got bills to pay and and things to do. I'm going to beat myself up and be more stressed about the fact that I'm stressed. Um, And it's also known as the silent killer in the U S because stress is this thing that comes in and through a bunch of different brain mechanisms. And I don't know all the words and all the science. I'm not going to get into it. Biggest thing is we're triggering things to help release this hormone called cortisol and cortisol is that stress hormone. It's the one that's saying, okay, we're in danger, similar to the amygdala, which is more anxiety based. And it's like, okay, stress is happening. The body's going to react like we're in this fear state. What happens with that is we start to shorten our breath. And this can be over years, the breast getting shorter and shorter and shorter. So it starts to cause a lot of um, panic attacks that you don't even understand like why you had a panic attack because your breast's been getting shorter for years and suddenly it got to a point where it was too short and you're going to panic. Um, we start to see a lot of cardiovascular issues because the heart rate's increasing over the years and it gets worse and worse and worse because we're not treating the stress. And then we see it cause a lot of issues with weight. So oftentimes, you know, we go on a diet to help fix our weight problem. But when we get on the diets, we're so stressed out about 
following it completely and like all the different things we have to remember and all the restrictions that our body is actually going into a stress mode and it's storing the fat because it thinks that we're like going into winter and it's like, okay, I need to store all the fat um, instead of, you know, pass through. So when we're talking about fitness and, and diet, that's a big thing that um, I don't think people realize that when they are super rigged with their diet, it actually is not that helpful on the, the body and the stress because it just panics you. Um, so that's stress. It's like it causes a huge amount of problems. They think that like 70 to 90% of health related issues in the U.S. are due to stress that causes like a, a ripple effect of other symptoms, right? Mm. That's a big deal. Anxiety is a little bit different in the fact that it typically is, is a like a brain spiral kind of effect. It's like you're kind of lost in um, – usually not even reality. Like it starts to pull you away from like what's real and there's like lots of different thoughts happening. Um, and it causes a slightly different reaction in the brain. So still very similar, still part of like that old school caveman type brain. But now we're triggering the amygdala, which is that fight or flight. So it's even more intense than the stress. It's, you know, either fight mode where we're like high shoulders, ready to go, you know, ready, ready to battle this lion. Or we're in like this fear state where we're kind of hunching forward, protecting our chest. Um, both are associated with like high, high stresses in the body. So when we've got anxiety, we're going to start to tense the stomach, which shortens our breath. We're not able to use the diaphragm, starts to cause a lot of gut issues because um, we're not able to fully breathe and move into the gut. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's just one of those things where like, you know, when you feel physically ill thinking about something, that's anxiety. That's it coming in and taking over the body. The way it differs from worry is worry is one of those things that I give the example of like, if you've got a meeting coming up with your boss, that's kind of scheduled out of the blue. Worry is going to walk you through like all the possible scenarios and it's going to kind of be at the front of your mind and it's kind of scary, but you're not getting like physically ill. You're not like spiraling down these wormholes. When it's anxiety, it typically like spirals beyond the situation. So it's like all these different possible scenarios with your rest, but also like I should have never applied for this job because I'm not worthy of it. And they're going to all find out that I'm a fraud and like I've never been good enough for anything in my life. It's suddenly like spiraling into this shame hole. That's usually more anxiety based. Um, so that kind of breaks them all down on how they're like doing different things to the body. And with anxiety it affects everyone differently. Like I've got severe anxiety and I've had it most of my life. So I can really pinpoint what's happening when I'm anxious. Um, I can be in an anxiety spiral and tell you exactly what's going on in my brain and what's happening in my body. Whereas people like one of my best friends, he is just anxious and he has no idea why he's feeling all the physical symptoms, but he's not able to articulate the brain. So I, that's another thing too, is I think people think, Oh, I don't have anxiety because I'm not having that brain spiral, but it can, come up in the body in different ways. It's that like physical, like everything clenches, everything kind of hunches over your stomach flips, the chest tightens. Mm -hmm. I sweat, my pits get really sweaty, okay. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> exciting things to know, but you know, it, it, it's like that physical reaction to thoughts, even if you're not aware of what they are. Yeah. Now it's interesting because you, you're someone that helps people, you know, with their anxiety. You're someone that has been studying this and, and working on this for so many years, but you know, you just said that you still have anxiety and you have it all the time. Um, yeah. So basically there's no, you're not necessarily getting rid of it. You're just learning what it is. You're learning how to manage it. Is that how you would go about um, working with anxiety? Yeah. And, and everyone has it at different levels. Like I said, like my body's more 
prone to it. So um, again, it gets into really crazy science, but um, there's different parts of the brain that are, are shaped differently in different people. And some people are just prone to more anxiety than others. Um, yeah. Also, some people are like prone to more confidence and decision-making than others. It's all part of like the DNA in the brain. Um, and instead of being like, oh, I'm just screwed. I've got bad DNA. It's like, how can I learn to work with this? Because mm -hmm. as much as anxiety has been it, trouble in my life, it's also been the thing that's pushed me to be as successful as I am right now. Yeah. It's also the thing that's been like, you know, walking through all the possible bad scenarios in a situation. And sometimes that being a good thing because I've been mm -hmm. able to like foresee problems in a launch or, you know, a strategy call where the other people can't see. So anxiety can be a good thing. It's like, I always tell people we're anxious because our, our ancestors were anxious people, you know, like if there are two cavemen and one was like, let's go down this cave that probably has a lion at the end of it. And you were like, yeah, that probably has a lion. I'm good. Like you, you've got all the anxious thoughts. You're the one who survived, right? Like <laughs> your ancestors are the ones who survived. So it's going to pass down that gene. So like the biggest thing for me was just be like, there's nothing wrong with my brain, right? Mm -hmm. Like that, that was something I'd been told my whole life having gotten diagnosed at 11, they were always like, there's something wrong with your brain. There's an imbalance with your brain. There's something wrong with you. Um, and the only thing that can fix it is medication. And I don't think that that's correct. Like, I think mm -hmm. medication can be a good tool to help people when they're really deep and dark and they need to come out of it and breathe for a second. But I don't think it's, it's long lasting what we need. We need to just understand ourselves better and like accept it really. Absolutely. You know, I, that's something that I always mention with stress too, is yes, stress can be a bad thing. and Everyone's so worried about stress. And yes, it's bad in a chronic state if it's happening all the time. But a little bit of stress here and there is actually a good thing. It means that you're, you're growing and you're, you know, you're adapting and, you know, because stress can come from from working out stress can come from, you know, trying something new. Uh, you know, these are all stressors, but your body will adapt to become stronger and get better at that, which is a good thing. It's just, if it's happening all the time, that's, that's an issue. Um, but it's yeah. very interesting that you said the same with anxiety. I never have really thought about that, but it, but it's true. I know I've woken up sometimes after a weekend where I didn't do a lot of work and I'm anxious and you know, that anxiety is what kind of drives me to go and, and work a bit harder and, and to like right. you know, try new things and whatever. So uh, it's interesting that you said it's actually something that motivates you or kind of pushes you to do better. Um, yeah. I really like that. And it's like, it's, it's coming back to the gut reaction too. Sometimes like the anxiety is there to tell us something that we need to hear. Mm. Not always. Like half the time my anxiety is just like freaking out about like selecting the right kind of peanut butter at the store and that's not helpful. <laughs> but you know, when I'm, for, for example, the other day, my, my boyfriend and I were going to go hike this mountain volcano here in, in Bali. Mount and we we're going to wake up in the middle of the night. Yeah. I just did it. And we were going to do it without a guide. We were like, let's do it without a guide and just kind of, you know, do it ourselves. And I woke up with an anxiety attack of like all the possible scenarios that could go wrong if we go without a guide. And so I got up and started doing research. And it turns out it's super, super dangerous to do it without a guide. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I like, I had that anxiety that actually like helped me to foresee a problem and we ended up rescheduling for, for a time we could go with guide. But things like that too, it's like not always beating up your anxiety because it's there for survival. Like that's what it was originally set out for. But when it becomes like the daily process, that's not helpful. <laughs> so learning to distinguish the difference is really big as well. Yeah. How did you learn to, to figure out I mean, a lot of times when you get anxious or maybe you're stressed, whatever, people just get worried about it and it's just, it's too much and it becomes overwhelming and starts to just take over. 
how do you begin yeah. that process of, of understanding that, hey, this can be a good thing or understanding that, hey, this is just anxiety. Now I can deal with it. How do you, how do you get to that point? Uh, it's just like repeating that, just like you said it all the time. So like you start to get anxious and you kind of learn how to play witness. So this is like any kind of negative, dark emotion. You know, I, I tell my clients this all the time, like when we can start to like separate ourselves from it, like I've named my anxious part of the brain. Like I call her my anxious diva. She's not me. She's not associated with me at all. She's just like that annoying roommate who has something to say all the time that like, is not helpful, you know? And so I've kind of just been able to like put that part of my brain off as like, this isn't my higher self. This is like the old part of my brain that's like stuck in like caveman days. And she's just freaking out because this is too much. Um, a lot of it comes down to understanding that we are in like the worst environment for anxiety. Like the, the way the Western society is built is like the perfect wormhole for like an anxiety driven person to like crawl into and just be stuck in like a chaos world. So understanding too that like you're not broken. The world is designed to make you more anxious, to make you more fearful. It's cause it's going to help you buy more things and do like, you know, all this different stuff. Um, so like, that's the big thing. Like I can walk you through real fast. Some of the things about our society that maybe people can start being aware of and shift that would help every day kind of drop that down. That yeah, sounds good. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So like the big thing, honestly, people don't think about is media. So, you know, this, again, this is a really old school part of the brain. So if you're watching traumatic things on TV, whether it's news, whether you're watching like violent TV shows, whether you're like listening to really angry music, which I love to do at the gym. So it's not like you have to cut it out of your life. Right. But it's understanding that when you're watching these things, especially violence, the amygdala does not know the difference between the fact that this is a TV show or happening in real life. Hmm. So you're starting to like put out anxiety and stress hormones in the body. So simply knowing that like, okay, if I'm going to watch a scary movie today, I know that I need to do some breathing before and after because I need to get my body back into the, the parasympathetic, which is that like relax and digest state and get out of that sympathetic, which is that anxious state. So that's the way we do that is through breathing. And we'll talk more into that later. Um, so making sure that the media you're watching is good. Um, making sure that you're eating things that feel good in your body. White sugar is a huge problem for anxious people. Like the correlation between white sugar and anxiety is very, very high. And of course, like too much caffeine. So like learning to cut back on sugar, which also means fructose. I have to be careful about not having too much fruit even because I'm just that sensitive to sugar. Um, learning that if you're not getting enough sleep, you're going to be anxious. And if you're anxious, you're not going to be getting enough sleep. So kind of making your bedroom a sanctuary for sleep, making sure that you're committed to eight hours of sleep. I have a lot of people tell me that I don't have time to sleep for eight hours a day. And I ask them, do you have time to have an anxiety spiral for two hours a day? Probably not, but you are because you're not sleeping. So if we can commit time to sleeping, we're going to get through the day much faster. We're going to have less decision fatigue, all these different things. Um, so that's important, making sure you're getting enough sunlight. Like you got to have sunlight during the day. Um, there's a great study about how patients after surgery were either put in a room with well-lit windows or in a dark room without any lighting. The people in the well-lit rooms have much higher pain tolerances after surgery than those in the dark rooms. And stress and anxiety are pain 
in the mental state but affects the body. And so it's the same thing when we're spending more time in the sunlight, we're able to cope with more pain, cope with higher stress levels, cope with more anxiety, um, just by like spending a little time under some vitamin D, you know, <laughs> like super yeah. simple things. Um, and last but not least is just like too many choices, right? Like I joked about the peanut butter thing, but it comes down to it being the fact that we're living in a society where there's like a thousand different career options you can go in now. There's like 30 flavors of hummus in the grocery store. There's like too many Airbnbs to choose from. Like, you know, it like, it sounds silly, but we work ourselves into like, I need to make sure I'm making the right decision. Cause that's an anxiety thing that like, Oh no, like this, I've got to be perfect. It's going to be the right choice. Um, and then we spiral out of control because anxiety or decision fatigue is a real thing. Mm-hmm. That's my number one anxiety. And not everyone deals with it. That's my number one anxiety. So I know that about me. So now I'm at the point where like, <laughs> I'll be pick, looking at Airbnbs. This is honestly my number one anxiety every month is finding the right place to live as a tra- traveling person. <laughs> and um, I'll narrow it down to a couple and send it to a friend or somebody else and be like, pick my place. Like mm-hmm. I can't get past these three. I need you to narrow it down. Um, or, you know, if somebody asks me like, where do you want to go for dinner? I ask them to give me some options. Cause if it's, mm-hmm. if, I've got too many. I just like, I can't, I can't even pick anything. I'm stuck. Um, so eliminating choices in your life as much as possible is another big one. Yeah. That was a big one for me. I, I, I'm like to make sure that I have a to-do list the night before that I write so that the next day it's like, I know everything that I'm doing. It's easy here in Bali because I literally just wear a bathing suit every single day and that's it. So I don't have to choose clothing or anything <laughs> like that. Uh, you know, you just throw on a bathing suit and that's what you, that's your attire for the day, which makes it super simple. I have a morning routine yeah. that's the same every single day when I wake up. So yeah. I know exactly what I'm doing. Um, and it Perfect. just, you know, that, that in itself just makes the rest of the day so easy. And then I also try to hold off on looking at any social media or seeing any media whatsoever until I've completed that whole morning routine, until I've kind of got my brain in the right place. Uh, And honestly, that has done so well for me with just stress and anxiety because as an entrepreneur, you're going to be stressed and you're going to be anxious regardless. Um, And there's nothing you can do about that, but learning to manage it, that was one of the best ways for me to be able to do that anyway. Um, And I love that you mentioned social media and avoiding that first thing in the morning too, because yeah, that's not violent media typically, but that is like comparison media galore. And so like, of course our anxiety is going to spike when we feel the need to like compare ourselves constantly. And Instagram is like the worst place for that. So that's awesome that you like hold off on the social media for a while and the morning (laughs) routine is great. Like the more consistency you can have in the morning, the better. Oh yeah, absolutely. And even, you know, it's funny because I have friends visiting me right now from Canada. So we've been, we, we just did the Mount Batur hike. We've been kind of traveling around Bali and, and going out and showing them different places. So I haven't really had a good routine and I can notice, you know, the anxiety, the stress starting to come up because of that. Um, so it was nice to like, you know, whenever I can to just try to get up early while they're also sleeping and just start my routine so that I can still, you know, just function throughout the day like I normally would. Because once you get out of that routine, you start to just notice things start to go a little bit off here and there. Um, so that routine to me is just like, it's what keeps me grounded, keeps me, keeps me going. Um, can you just sort of talk about what your typical day, like, are, are you feeling anxious every day? Um, you know, what would be your typical anxieties that you have um, just so others can know, you know, what it's like um, if they're confused, if they're anxious or stressed, or if they know that it's a problem or not, this may, I think, help. Yeah. So 
of course, like I said, my biggest anxiety is decision issues. So mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that's something I deal with pretty regularly. Like, honestly, being vegetarian, vegan most of my life has been such a blessing in the US because there's usually like one or two things I can order on the menu, right? <laughs> like, I had very limited options. Now I'm in Bali, you guys. There's like a hundred options on every menu. <laughs> Just ordering food can sometimes give me anxiety because like there's so many options and they all sound delicious. And what if I miss out? Like I've got this like huge FOMO kind of thing with food. So like that's something that like I know like, okay, breathe it out. I have to make sure like I'm not having too much coffee as well. Like if I have more than one or two cups, I'm going to be an anxious mess. And I just know that if I don't sleep well, so here's the thing with traveling and especially like in a place like Bali where there's a lot of energy, I don't always sleep well in a new place or wherever I am. And I know a lot of you at home have problems sleeping. So sleep is the number one thing I can do to combat my anxiety. So sometimes I might have plans to like go meet a friend for breakfast or whatever. And if I slept terribly, I sometimes have to text that friend and be like, I had a really bad night's sleep. I have to cancel this morning because I have to make sure I get some more sleep because I just know I'm not going to even be able to show up for them in that conversation if I'm anxious and tired. It's like knowing that, okay, I need another hour's sleep this afternoon. So I'm going to rearrange my day to make sure I can go take a nap later this afternoon because I know like I, I won't even be able to function. I won't be worth it to anyone later today if I'm not taking care of my sleep. Uh, so it's things like that. It's, um, making sure my morning routines, like, import, like it's there. I journal every morning. I do um, some kind of breath work or meditation. Um, I try to do something physical every day, whether it's just a quick couple rounds of yoga or I go to the gym, um, things to get me into my body. Because I notice as soon as I'm out of my body and fully in my head, anxiety is going to get much worse. So things to ground me. Um, it's hard to tell you like a typical day because I don't have like the same anxiety every day. It's like totally different, okay. but I can tell you like how I combat it every day. Like when it starts to trickle up, when I start to feel overwhelmed and even just stressed, like I'm an entrepreneur and I was working full time while traveling the world up until a month ago. Like I know stress, right? <laughs> um, so sometimes it's like really silly things. I get up and like literally just start shaking and flailing my body around because you've got to like really be able to shake things out of the muscles. Um, dancing's amazing. Cause when we're stressed and anxious, again, we've got like that tendency to clench the stomachs like clenched in. We've got the whole body rounding the shoulders get really stressed out. Right. Everyone's got like anxious shoulders. They're like way up by their ears. And so when we can like just turn on some music that like, I've got like a playlist that I know if I turn on a song, I'm going to have to get up and dance. Like I just love these songs. Mm-hmm. I just dance. I shake it out. I do a lot of breath work. Um, things like that. So you know, traffic, I will tell you one thing, traffic's probably my biggest stressor and it's not as bad now, now that I'm not like in a car with like giant freeways in the U S but learning how to like breathe through traffic, you know, things like that, knowing what your stressors are and, and having like a toolbox ready to go to take Absolutely. care of them, I think is huge. Yeah. So, and and that is the biggest thing is that, okay, when you have that anxiety, when you have that stress, noticing it, realizing that it's there, being okay with it, not judging yourself and not being upset or pissed off that you're you're anxious. And then it's like you said, having that toolbox. So why don't we dive deeper into that? You just kind of went over a few of the things that you do, but let's dive a little bit deeper into maybe some of the breathing techniques or just some of the things that um, that someone can do right away, kind of easy things um, that someone who's listening to this goes, okay, you know what? I have anxiety. I have stress quite often. 
here's my like actionable steps that I can do right away um, to sort of combat this or at least help with it? Sure. Yeah. So I talked about this earlier with stress and anxiety, how we start to shorten the breath and we start to tense the stomach. So we're not breathing into the diaphragm fully. So one of the biggest things we can start to do to, again, engage the parasympathetic, which is that like calming, like let's go to bed soon, kind of like feeling that triggers to the body is to bring the hands to the belly super easy and just start to breathe in and out through the nose um, and see if you can get the belly to fully expand on the house. It like inflates like a giant balloon. And then as you exhale, try to use your abdominals to pull the belly button up in towards the spine. You just keep doing that. See if you can get the breath longer and longer. See if you can make the belly bigger and bigger. Um, in the fitness world, especially I see this, we've been kind of trained to keep our stomachs really tense, right? Especially women, we like wear crop tops all day and things, mm -hmm. especially here in Bali. And so we're like trained to like keep the stomach slightly pulled in all day and we don't even know how to relax it. So it takes a lot of time to really learn how to like let the stomach fully go and expand in the breath. But doing like at least six long belly breaths is going to be quick thing to trigger the parasympathetic, shut down that old school part of the brain and like return to a calm state. Mm. Um, another breathing I do usually more for focus is called square breathing. And it's a patterned breath where you're inhaling, holding, exhaling and holding for the same number of counts. And I always want to preface this with if you haven't done much breathing before or you have a high level of anxiety, be really aware when doing this breathing method that sometimes holding the exhalation can make people more anxious. I'm the opposite. It really calms me down. But every once in a while, I work with somebody where we try to do this breathing technique and they just can't because it, it, it triggers them even more. Mm -hmm. So just it's always good to like play around with your body and what works for you. But usually I, I would do four counts. So we breathe in. One, two, three, four, hold. One, two, three, four, breathe out. One, two, three, four, hold. One, two, three, four. And you can just do this over and over and over again. It's actually like um, a breathing technique that's sometimes taught in the military for like snipers and things to like get them to really focus in on their target. Um, so I really like it when I'm feeling scatterbrained and I've got like too many tabs open in my brain and I'm bouncing all over the place and I've got to like, focusing on one window, you know, yeah. I come back to that breathing and I can do it at my desk without anyone giving me a weird eye, you know, <laughs> some of the other breathing techniques I teach on my website can get a little bit more weird and crazy, but those are our normal ones. Yeah. I, and I love the box breathing. It's something I do every morning as part of my morning routine. Um, I've been doing that one for a while and, and you know, something about it just calms you down. I think because you have to focus on those four seconds, I do five seconds, but because you have to focus yeah. on that, like inhaling, exhaling, holding, it takes your mind away from whatever else you're thinking of and just really focuses you in on your breath and just on counting. So it's like yeah, that escape from all your thoughts and everything else and just dials you in just on one thing. Um, so I love the, the use of that. Yeah. And the, and the good thing about breathing is you're doing multiple things at once, right? Like when you're doing a controlled breath, you're focusing the mind because you really have to be aware of what's going on. Like some of the other breathing techniques are like alternate nostril breathing where you're like in through one nostril out another and that really takes a lot of focus mm. um you know things like that and so of course the brain's focused but the deeper breathing is triggering to the body that everything's okay like we don't need to be in a fear state so it's doing those two things at once then we get to add in the physical movement and that's what i love so much about yoga and that's what kind of led me onto the path of being a yoga teacher is you know i i love lifting weights at the gym i love like going out and doing all sorts of different kinds of workouts, right? 
all of those are really great for stress and anxiety or getting out of your head and into the body. But there's something beautiful about yoga because it takes that breath work and the mind work and the body work all at once. And so it's just kind of this, this beautiful practice. And, um, when we don't let it become an ego practice, which, you know, then triggers more stress and anxiety. But <laughs> for the most part, when we're not doing like Instagram yoga, I, I think it like, you know, can be a really safe space. Um, and like you said at the very beginning, physical practices usually help become like, a, I call it like my gateway into other things. So I noticed so many of my students, so many other teachers I know, and I'm sure this is similar to your story, they began in the physical fitness world, right? Like I'm going to figure out how to take care of my body, get fit, whatever. And inevitably you can't help but like start to dive into personal development too. You can't help but start to like want to take care of the mind because they're connected. And so a lot of what I do, I, I use yoga as like the gateway and then I can give you a little bit of like breathing practices and then I can give you a little bit of like mindset training and the coaching and the kind of dive in. But yoga and practices like that can be like a little doorway in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think people need that, especially when it comes to like meditation. I think a lot of people get scared um, or yeah. just think that they can't, they can't meditate. And, and I think it was you in your presentation. It really um, reflected to the way that I see it and what I, and what I tell my clients is that you can meditate doing anything. I mean, if you're just breathing uh, that is a form of meditation. If you're doing yoga, uh, and you're really into it and you're focused, that is a form of meditation. And this goes along with anything. If you're a dancer or you do art or you like to paint or you maybe you surf, you know, whatever it is that allows your mind to just focus in on one thing, technically that is a form of meditation. That can help alleviate anxiety and alleviate stress. But you just got to find what that thing is that you like to do. And hopefully it's not watching TV because that's not your solution. That's not meditation. <laughs> it, exactly. Yeah, that's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like getting into that. Um, when it's a physical or like active, what I call active meditation, when you're like doing something, you're not just sitting, staring or, or whatever. Um, you enter this state of flow. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure like you've, you've probably read a lot about flow and that, that state where like, you're just kind of like, you're just doing it. You don't even like nothing else is penetrating and you're just like in this beautiful space. And yeah, that's why so many high performance athletes are able to like get themselves in a better state of mind. Um, artists, creative people, because when they get into their creative space, their studio, that the whole world tunes out. It's like, you know, the noise mufflers come on and, and mm. nothing else exists. And that's meditation. Um, you know, going on a quiet walk, whether you want to sit down and work on your breathing, whether you want to like lay there and listen to a guided meditation, you know, I've got plenty on my website, things like that. You know, there's no one size fits all. And to think that you have to like sit there and clear out your mind is never going to happen. Like if we're human, first off, if you're already an anxious person and then you're like getting stressed out and anxious about the fact that you're not supposed to be thinking, but here I am thinking, and oh no, like I'm a terrible human because I can't figure out this whole meditation thing, the spiraling <laughs> and the meditation. Um, I don't know if Kyle, you've ever been told like not to think about something. Like if I told you right now, like Kyle, do not think about cows right now. Like you Screw inevitably me. pictured a cow in your head, right? Absolutely, like yeah. inevitably. I went to um, this Buddhist seven day quiet Vipassana retreat. And like the whole week they were like speaking to us about how terrible it is to like think sexual thoughts and like blah, 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 blah. So what am I doing the whole seven days? My God, like it was <laughs> terrible. It's like, you can't tell somebody to not think about something. It doesn't work. So you can't sit there and be like, all right, brain time to shut up now. Like that's not gonna, 
be effective. And then you're just going to feel frustrated about the whole process. So I think it might be a Buddhist quote, but it might just be one of those internet trends. I don't know. It's this quote says, um, your mind is like a house. You can leave the front door and the back door open, allow those thoughts to pass through. Just don't invite them for tea. Mm, Right. Like Like I just like that metaphor of like, yeah, they're just coming in and out. I just get to sit around, witness it. I don't have to get involved. I don't have to judge it. Mm-hmm. You know, which isn't is not the easiest thing to do because we're so used to judging the thoughts that that's going on and just judging what's going on in life. Um, but that that really is the key to it, right? It's just understanding that look, these thoughts are fine. It's okay to think rude things or to think sexual things or to think whatever it is. Uh, but just let it go through and, and move on from that. It doesn't have, it doesn't mean that that's who you are. It's just happens yeah. to be something you've thought about. Um, now when, one of the things that has helped me and I think you talked quite a bit about it was journaling. Um, you know, when you have all these thoughts, maybe your mind is racing and you're trying to meditate or something before bed, but it's just too much cause you can't, you just can't settle it down. Is journaling something that, that you would do here? Is this something that's really helped you yeah. with, with your problems? I literally woke up about 2.30 in the morning last night and my brain wouldn't stop. So I got up and journaled. Like, yeah, yeah like that, for me, it's like a great brain dump space. Um, but there's something even better about journaling when we take it seriously and when we're able to commit time to it. When it comes to anxiety, it usually goes a lot deeper than stress. So when we're anxious about something, like I'm anxious about like whether these new friends are going to like me or, or whatever it is, that anxiety is not usually the actual issue, the core issue. That's like the surface level. And so when there's anxiety, there's like old rooted false beliefs, whether they're from our childhood or from like, for me, a lot of it was my religious upbringing had like a lot of deep rooted fears in my head. Um, and so with journaling, I can sit down and say like, okay, I'm really anxious. I write out all the reasons I'm anxious and anxious. Cause I, I like, don't know if these friends are going to like me. Like I'm having them for dinner and like, I've got to make sure the food's good. And like all these different surface level issues. And then I can ask myself, okay, why, why is, why is this causing you anxiety? Oh, because you know, like I want to make sure that I fit in. Why? Because I felt like I never fit in. Why? Because I was told my whole life that I don't belong. Okay. That's the bigger issue. This is what I need to work on. And so journaling, I think for those who are really self-aware can get them through the process. But I think more importantly, it can just show them the doorway to like, okay, here's where I might need to call on somebody else to help me because I've just been able to find where I've got like deeper rooted Mm. triggers from my past that aren't healed. And so like I can call my, my coach or I can call a friend and be like, I need to to process through some of these things. Um, Because now for me, anxiety is like this, thing that comes up that's like almost entertaining like I I just am like oh my god my diva's gone off the rail today like whatever and it's like I'm totally separate from it yeah but that's because I've been able to heal these past stories so I no longer believe these false beliefs the anxieties I come up now with nowadays are like again related to like too many options and peanut butter and whatever but I used to be like concerned about not being worthy of love. So like in every relationship I was in, I'd come up with these like anxiety spirals of like all the reasons why this is never going to work. And like, why am I even here? And like, they're going to leave me any second. And and it was from this like abandonment issue of my mom leaving when I was a kid mm. and like I had to heal that. And so, yeah, like that gets into the much more deep stuff. So like being able to dance and shake it off and like do all these other things. That's amazing. That's great. That's going to help you like hold yourself together each day. 
but it's going to keep coming up until you're able to dig in, whether it's through journaling or working with a coach or, you know, working through like one of my programs or whatever you can find out there. There's so many options. Mm. Um, but you got to go deep. It's, it's never surface level when it comes to anxiety. Interesting. And, and this is the part where I think many of us are afraid is to ask ourselves questions and figure out who we really are and what's really going on in our heads. I think, uh, I know myself anyway, growing up, I just tried to get away from that and just, you know, not even, not even tune into that. Um, and then I started asking myself questions and trying to learn myself more because if you think about it, when someone else comes to you with a problem, what do you do? You ask them questions and try to figure out the root of the problem. Yet if you have a problem, let's say it's stress or anxiety, not that that's a problem, but let's just call it that. What do you do? You try to hide from it. You try to run away from it. Well, why not, you know, try to handle it the same way that you would if someone else came to you with an issue. Um, so I think, you know, asking, asking those questions, why, and trying to get to that root of the, the, the issue there is so important, uh, but something that's not easy to do. So do you, do you typically just do the, the, you know, start asking why, why, why is that how you do it? Or is there another way of sort of getting to those deeper, d- deeper issues? Um, yeah, for me, it's been able to like dig into why, um, but I've also been doing this work for a long time. So this doesn't happen overnight, right? Like I um, have been, one of my teachers is one, one of the leading leaders in, in spirituality, Gabrielle Bernstein. She's, you know, one of my foundations. So I can't just um, dig into my own thoughts for the most part. Like you have to be soaking in information that's going to help you to pass through these things, whether it's picking up books or listening to podcasts or like connecting with um a community or, or a teacher who can help lead you through. Mm-hmm. I think that that's really important. Like I wasn't able to figure any of this out on my own, right? It, it took research and people leading me in the right direction and, and being open to new concepts Absolutely. Um, and not being so scared of it. So like you have to be at a place where you're like, I am so fucking sick of my anxiety that I'm willing to do the scary things mm-hmm. and dive in because, you know, <laughs> we don't like stress and anxiety, but we like comfortable. And so a lot of us would rather stay in what's comfortable, even though it's miserable, than like do something that's new because it's so intimidating. And so like, we have to like get through the fact that like, yeah, it's going to be scary, but it's not scarier than holding on to this anxiety for the rest of your life. Right. And, mm-hmm. and really being able to trick our brains into like just taking a baby step forward. Yeah. Yeah. Darren, do you have any, uh, what kind of resources do you have available and where would people find them if they wanted to learn more uh, about managing their own anxieties or stressors? Yeah. So, um, I have a lot happening on my blog. So if you want to head over to the remote yogi.blog, there's, um, you know, different articles and things on like how to find your false beliefs that I talked about earlier. Um, I've got steps on like how to do some of my breathing exercises for focus. Um, ways to relieve anxiety quickly. There's lots of blog posts, um, free yoga classes, um, body scan, meditations, things like that. Um, and then you can dive in. I've got a monthly membership where it's got that foundation of yoga. And then we dive into like breathing practices and meditations and live coaching calls. So it's, I don't call it a yoga membership. It's more of like a transformational platform for, for people to, to come on and build as a community. And, um, you get that like group coaching with me mm. or I've got courses one-on-one um, that I meet with people online and I'm actually currently working on some classes on anxiety and, and confidence and things like that. So you should see those coming up soon. 
Awesome. Well, pass me those links and I'm going to make sure to put them in the show notes. So those who are listening, you can just click on them and, and hop on over to see what, uh, what you need. Uh, now, before I have one question that I ask uh, everybody who comes, every guest who comes on my show, uh, before I ask that, is there anything that we didn't touch on? Is there anything that we missed that you feel is really important for the listeners to know or to understand? I just want to add one tiny comment because, um, you know, I've only been really digging into this for a, a few years. Um, thankfully, like I've had the right teachers, the right people around and that sort of thing. Um, but it doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> and I will also say that I've, I've been lucky enough to have people in my life who have been able to hold me through um, hallucinogenic sessions. And I'm only mentioning this because I saw recently you had somebody on talking about ayahuasca and things like that. And I think that they can be a super healing journey for somebody with anxiety and stress when it's done in a really healing way. And so if that's something that like people are interested in chatting with me about, um, I will say like having an anxiety trip on acid and being able to walk myself through what's happening and being able to stop it as a witness has been transformational in my ability to process it now. And is probably why I can speak on it so well now. Um, but you know, in safe spaces, but I'm always happy to talk about it with anyone. Do, do you, I love that you brought this up. Uh, do you find that, <laughs> that, do you find that, that taking hallucinogens helps because it almost trains your brain to like become stronger and to get through these situations? Because I know like you take a hallucinogen, you start tripping out and it's like, you've got to really focus and pull your brain back to get back to normal. And it's a battle to get through it. But I, in my opinion, anyway, when you get through that and you get back to normal, it's like you've almost trained yourself to not control your brain, but to learn ways to get to a certain state. Is that one of the benefits that you find of, of hallucinogens? For me, it really helps to bring out that like witness state of being. So like when I'm on hallucinogens, I have a much better ability to step out and witness okay. my thoughts as like a third party instead of being actively involved in them. Um, but again, I've only ever done it with people who like I really love and trust. So like when I had my bad panic attack, I was actually in the Redwoods in California and I'm like in a ball, literally like shaking. Like I, I was stressing out about like being stuck in the Redwoods cause I'm so high that I'm not gonna be able to get out. And I felt like I was in an igloo and I just like, I don't, it was, you know, just tripping out. And thankfully my love was there and he was like holding me through this. And he would just like every now and again be like, relax, like breathe. And he was there to anchor me. But I had to battle on, on my own, right? Like I had to get through this on my own. And um, when you can calm down the brain, hallucinogens are such a beautiful experience. Like when you can just look around you and, and be a witness to the world around you. And so I kept doing this thing where I'm like, I'm in an anxiety attack. I'm panicking. I'm like in my head. I'm in my head. And I'd pause for a second and look up and be like, oh, this is a beautiful world up here. And I would like go back in and like panic again. And um when like the height of it started to wear off and I was starting to be a little bit more cognizant, I was like, hang on, this is my life every single day. Mm. I'm in this anxiety spiral. I'm spiraling. I'm spiraling. The world around me is beautiful. And when I can pause long enough to look up, I can see that. But this is like a metaphor for my daily life. Right. And mm. I was able to like think through that on these drugs. And I said, what if I just said stop? And everything went quiet. And since that day, if I'm spiraling hard enough, I can just say stop. Hmm. And it like tr brings me right back to that moment when I was like, oh, wait, everything, everything's beautiful. What am I freaking out about? 
you know? I love that. That gave me a little bit of chills, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't usually like go into it because my mom would probably freak out or whatever, you know. But <laughs> well, I don't know. It was I mean, so healing. Our parents lived through the 60s and 70s, so I'm sure they had their fair share. <laughs> what, uh, yeah. I don't know, what, what type of hallucinogens have you, have you experimented with? Or do you um, find that would be best for someone to, to dive into if they, if they wanted to experiment with that? I think, I think it's a different journey for everyone. So I know some people have had like amazing times on, on mushrooms. For me, mushrooms don't take me deep enough. Okay. Um, they're more of like a visual journey. Um, I've done ayahuasca and that like gave me very, very clear instruction on my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I hear other people go through crazy journeys. I think you experience it all differently. I would highly suggest ayahuasca at some point if you're, especially if you're able to do it in Peru in the jungle with like a shaman chanting mm. over you. It's amazing. Um, but for me, acid's been the, the biggest one again in a really safe space that I've only ever done it in nature, knowing that nature is going to pull me back out of my brain and like into just like enjoying like, I've always said as a spiritual person, like I'm fully connected with everything and everyone, but like I felt it when yeah, I was yeah. like on acid in, in, in the, the forest and like, oh, I am like feeling the earth breathe with me. Like, okay, like it was, you know, um, yeah. again, I'm, I, I've only done it a few times. I don't make it like a common thing. And you'll learn like you can't get addicted to this stuff. It's exhausting. Like You get done with it and you're like, that was great. I don't want to do that again for a while. That was so exhausting. Um, but yeah, and I also every now and again will microdose when I really yeah. need to focus on the day um, with usually acid, but mushrooms, whatever. And so I know microdosing is also really helpful for, for mm -hmm. people who are super anxious. Mm -hmm. so. and, and for the listeners here that are saying, why are they talking about drugs and who's health podcast? <laughs> um, you got to understand that there's, I mean, a lot of these have been used for many, many years medically or medicinally, um, you know, naturally. So, I mean, a lot of them can be really good. And like you said, it's not like you're doing them every day. Yes. If you do drugs every single day, that is a problem. You're addicted. It's going to have a lot of bad effects to your body, to your brain, et cetera. But when you use these, when you're not drinking and partying, you're just using them as almost like a therapeutic um, type thing where it's like a night or a weekend where it's like, okay, I'm going to take this and learn about myself. Uh, it's not doing damage to you, you know, physiologically because it's just one time. So it's not a big deal. Um, but there's a lot of benefit that can come from it mentally, which can be more important than, you know, the minor effects it may have on you physically. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of different um, big, you know, authors and, and influencers out there that are talking about this and how hallucinogens can be so beneficial, especially for anxiety and stress. So I'd highly recommend looking into it if you, you know, if you're unsure about it or just have no idea why we're even talking about this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of research. There's a lot of things coming out now about it and how it can be beneficial. So um, definitely open your mind to it because the, it, it may be um, something that can help you um, later on in life. So who knows? Um, but that's yeah. really cool and that Tim, you're, you're Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss. I would highly suggest Tim Ferriss's like podcast and things when he talks about. Um, hallucinogens. He's, he was yeah. like the first one where I was like, cause I was so anti-drugs of any kind once I got sober. Yeah. And when I was able to see successful people using it to help propel them through like depression and, and things like that, I was like, okay, I've got to reevaluate this a little bit. So mm -hmm. just open mind. If you want to do it, make sure you're doing it in a safe place with the right people. And you know, people have done it before and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Joe Rogan talks about it a lot too in his podcast. So oh yeah. Yeah. He does too. 
Okay, so now I have my final question for you. So I'm going to throw you on the spot um, and hopefully you can think of an answer right away. <laughs> so you've been going through a health journey for some time now. Uh, you know, I think you said you started around like 11 or 12 is when you noticed that you started having anxiety. So you've been learning and, and you know, working with yourself to, to get through this and to get over this. If you were to go back to the very beginning and forget everything that you currently know, forget all the experiences that you had, what would be the one piece of advice you'd want to tell yourself if you were just starting out on your health journey? Mm, to make self-love and self-worth the number one thing that you focus on. Mm. Because once you can learn to value yourself, the rest will fall into place. You'll want to take care of the body. You'll want to take care of the mind. You'll want to take care of everything else because you value yourself enough. That, that's going to be number one. Oh, I love that. That was quick too. That was easy for you. <laughs> I know that. That's like, yeah. If I could like teach every young girl one thing, it would be like, love your damn self. Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> awesome. Well, Taryn, thank you so much for coming on here and, and sharing your wisdom, sharing your experiences and, and the things you've been going through. Uh, I think it helps so many others when someone can step up and say, look, I've struggled with this. Here's how I've gotten through it. Here's what the science says. And, uh, and just give some, some hope to people because I know this is something where so many of us are struggling with. So uh, kudos to you for, for stepping up and, and supporting and, and helping others in this area. Um, I learned a lot in this podcast. So thank you so much for, for coming on here and, and, and sharing this. My pleasure. And if anyone wants to reach out, I'm always super happy to talk. So hit me up on Instagram or by email and let's chat. What's your Instagram and email just so we have it? Sure. It's um, at the remote yogi. And my email is Taryn at the remote yogi.com. Ah, super easy. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Taryn, thank you so much. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day here in Bali. That's a wrap, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, you could do me a wonderful favor by taking a screenshot and sharing it with your friends on social media. Feel free to tag me at healthsimple underscore and let me know your thoughts. And if you have any questions, feel free to shoot me a DM as well. I would love to hear from you. I hope you guys all have a wonderful day.